This is Emmanuel God with us, the radio ministry of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Twin Falls, Idaho. Good morning. Today is the sixth Sunday after Trinity. We are here to worship God and to learn from Him about His grace towards us. Welcome to Emmanuel. We begin in song. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, 
have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. We are a lost and condemned people unless somehow we can be justified and in the life and death and resurrection and the miracle of the Holy Spirit bringing faith to us, we are justified, made just as if we hadn't sinned through the gift God gave us in His Son. As a called and ordained servant of the Word, I announce to you the forgiveness of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the 20th chapter of Exodus. It is the account of the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving you. You shall not murder... You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle lesson today, (coughs) which is also... Our sermon text is from St. Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome. And in it, in what we're about to hear, Paul talks about something familiar to us, baptism, and says things that might not be all that familiar. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, 
we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. In our gospel today, which comes from St. Matthew's fifth chapter. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the gospel of our Lord. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our Redeemer, you are our strength. Amen. I don't know if you had any difficulty hearing the epistle lesson where St. Paul share some thoughts about baptism, but I really did. It just, it contains so much information, and I had never heard Paul speak this way in any other part of any of his letters that's specifically about baptism, but every bit he gave us was good news. Martin Luther, toward the end of his career, after he became a noted personality in Europe. Everybody knew who he was and what he had done. And some people ask him, how do you 
get through the day knowing that you've upset so many important people and you've been so important to so many regular people and you've been in trouble and you've been lauded and, and praised by people. How do you get through a day? What is it that starts you off your day so that you can do the wonderful things that you have done? And Luther said, oh, that's pretty easy. I get out of bed and I start every day with one three-word statement. I am baptized. For Luther, that's a very powerful and a very, a very secure statement. But what we heard in Romans 6 today was St. Paul talking about baptism in a new way. And Paul seems to indicate we would benefit by being aware that baptism connects us to Jesus Christ. Already, you don't have to believe in Jesus Christ to be somewhat connected to him. If you were conceived, if you were born, and if you have to live in a sinful world. Every human being, you and I and everybody, whether they believe in Jesus or not, has that in common with Jesus. But now, Paul says, in baptism, you run into a whole new level of sharing. You share in his death and in his burial. Now, we know that Christ had no sin, but yet he lovingly, willingly died for us who are the product of sin. Here's a little quiz I've asked you to consider before. I'll ask you again. Which of these statements is correct? Because I commit sin, I am a sinner. Or, because I am a sinner, I commit sins. Which one is right? The first or the second? Nobody has the nerve to shout something out here? It is the second. We've confessed as much this morning that we are by nature sinful and unclean. And that's been true of every human being born of two human parents in the history of humans. Except one. Jesus, as we'll confess later, was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Absolutely an essential fact. Because that means he was born without the legacy of sin that all of us were born with that we have to bear, that we have to acknowledge. So now, Paul says, because in baptism, you are sharing in his death and burial, and because we've confessed that, yes, indeed, we needed something done, because we have this legacy of sin, and we confess our sins every week, and it's never inappropriate. Paul says, something happens in the waters of baptism, and among the things that happened is that that old Adam, that old sinful human nature, is slain. He drowns. Unfortunately, he's a very good swimmer, and he comes back. So we confess today that we are sinful by nature. You know what we'll confess next week? That we are still sinful by nature. And that sinfulness with which we are born leads us into sin. But in baptism, we are introduced to a possibility of forgiveness. We are introduced 
to the grace of God in Jesus Christ where our sin has been paid for. You, you connect the fact that, according to Paul, we have died with Christ, been buried with Christ in sin. Now it becomes wonderful possibility, wonderful surety for us that we will rise with Christ. Christ was raised from the dead by his father after his death. He had no sin and he died anyway. We have plenty of sin. We are likely to die. But because of our faith in Christ, because of the introduction that occurred in baptism, we now have that to rely upon. We are citizens of heaven, even though we don't much act like it much of the time. But now we have an invitation and an ability to struggle against the sin that exists in the world around us and that exists within us as well. Now, why did Paul go, go into this? You remember, I hope you remember, the reason Paul wrote the letter to the Romans anyway. Paul wanted to extend his mission activity to the western end of the Mediterranean basin. He'd already worked in the Holy Land, in Syria, all throughout Asia Minor, and in Greece. But he wanted to go to Spain and to Gaul, which we would call France today. But he needed a new headquarters. Jerusalem was just too far away for that to work. So Paul wrote to the Romans because he intended to ask them to be his base of operation for mission work in the West. Now, Paul was an honest guy, well, well educated, obviously. And in full disclosure, Paul said, before I even ask you this question, before I ask you to answer whether you'll help support me in my work in the West, I want to make sure that what I teach, what I believe, what I hold dear, what God has taught me is the same thing you believe in. And so he writes... Romans, which is in effect a wonderful theology textbook. Luther loved Romans. So do I. Because it covers all the important stuff and it covers them in a way as it introduces these ideas. Paul begins by making very real the problem of sin. But then he introduces the wonderful concept, which was always the basis of his work, the idea of justification by grace, through faith. Justification. Just as if we had never sinned. Imagine that. That's what we were gifted this morning when, by God's grace, he forgave our sins. He said, now I look at you and I see the same perfection I see in my son. Now I look at you and I say, yeah, you belong in heaven and I'll bring you there. Now, you might make a mistake. You may have already made a mistake since we confessed. But that's a sin that Christ died to pay for. So you bring that sin to the cross, and again, you are forgiven. But there was a problem with Paul preaching justification by grace. People heard him talk about it, and they misunderstood him. And even to Rome, where Paul had never yet been, the idea of this justification by grace caused people to jump to a wrong conclusion. Let me read you verses 1 and 2 
of Romans 6. They occur right before our reading today. Paul writes, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? People, some of them heard Paul say justification by grace. And they said, hey, I I like this religion. Since I can be forgiven, not based at all about what I do or say, uh, I can go on sinning and still be part of the family of Jesus Christ. And Paul said, no, you can't. No, that's not possible. Because in your baptism, not only were you given forgiveness, not only was faith born in you, also... You were given a new life. If you died with Christ, as Paul insists in his explanation of baptism, and then if you were raised from the dead with Christ, we have not actually physically died, but our old Adam died, and now we've been raised to a new life. We heard the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament lesson. How do people in general view the Ten Commandments? It's a pain. It tells us what we have to do. It tells us what we can't do. We don't like that. We're free agents. We don't like commandments. But in the new life that baptism gives us, we see the commandments for what they are. God's owner's manual for the human life. How to live in a way that gives us a fulfilled life and that pleases God. How can we do that? Because, in Paul's word, we are dead to sin and alive in Christ. Now, if that's all true, then there's some wonderful, wonderful conclusion to Paul's line of thought. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul created a a chart, if you will, of connection between us and Christ. Conceived, born, going through the same process, just his was different. His was unique. But he and I... He and you were conceived and born. We have to live in a sinful world. He died. Our old Adam died, drowned in the waters of baptism. And now, from that death, we are raised to a new life. A life that God has prepared us for through the gift of the Ten Commandments. We move from justification into sanctification, into living the life that God intended us to to live. Will we fail? Well, obviously we do. Confession and forgiveness 
is part of every worship service. Why? Because we fail. We don't sin, and that makes us sinners. We are sinners, and so we sin. But we are sinners who've had our eyes opened, and we can return to the cross where we know the price for our sin was paid. I want to finish with one more slogan. I ran into this preparing for the sermon, and I'd never heard it before. But in a sense, it's exactly what Paul said in Romans 6, 3 to 11. Three sections. Kill me. Fill me. Spill me. Kill me. Kill the old Adam in me. Kill that sin that lives in me that wants always to come back and and haunt me and offend you, Lord. Kill me in baptism. Fill me in this new life. Fill me with your word, with the fellowship of fellow believers, with forgiveness, with the Lord's Supper. Fill me so that I can be the person I want to be and you want me to be. And then spill me. If you have filled me with your grace and your love and your wisdom, let me spill that out into the world that needs to hear it. Luther started every day by remembering his baptism. Not a bad example to follow at all. And Paul, trying to fight this this silly idea that, well, if God likes to give grace and I like to sin, I'll just do more sinning and he can be more gracious. Paul said, no. You are changed in baptism. You have a new life. Live that new life. Kill me. Fill me. Spill me. Amen. We have faith that God gave us. We confess that faith in the ancient words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now humbly we approach the throne of grace and pray the prayer that our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.
Amen. Receive the blessing of our Lord. The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face shine on us and be gracious to us. The Lord look upon us with his favor and give us his peace. Amen.